Looking profesh. I'm in a very small room with a very loud echo. So this is how I sound now. <laughs> okay. I was going to tell you that the, yep, about right. For those of you who can't see what Dan's doing, he just poured a bottle of red wine into a red Solo cup. The dainty size. It was The fuzzy. little guys. I mean, yeah, it's very dainty. It's like an Adair size. It's fun size. I will apologize sincerely, listeners, ahead of time for the sound quality. I'm just, I'm going to be echoey. I finished an event 13 minutes ago. So I just got off work, and fortunately, my place of employment has Yeti Blue microphones so and free wine. So there we go. So there you mm-hmm. go. You'll take it as you can see it. I, I would like to apologize for the sound quality on my end, always and forever. <laughs> but I'm a lot... I'm a lot more coherent than I was yesterday. I will say that my podcast that I recorded yesterday, uh, it wasn't really, I guess it wasn't, it wasn't really intoxication. It was that I spilled wine on my clothes. And so my podcasting was in various states of undress. And you so, know, they have, yeah. they have video we took podcasts a photo now, be- so. So I could probably get a lot Show, more viewers. don't tell. I'm not sure. All right. Uh, yeah, there you go. I'll narrate as you really try to open those pretzel chips. I don't want to be Riley about this, but. <laughs> when I podcasted with Riley and Clark, I feel like the constant sound effect was because we recorded for two and a half hours or something was just opening of beer bottles because we just kept drinking. I love those guys. I love you. I love Austin. Can't do a two and a half hour episode with anyone. (laughs) No, I mean, like for me, I, you know, I don't do it often. So I guess you could, I could consider sometimes Disney Channel up. uh, I mean, they never are that long, but the process of recording and watching those movies, normally I'm with Maya for like five hours. Oh, yeah. I don't doubt it. So we must like each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, and don't get me started on double feature days. We watched both Teen Beach movies. Really? Last week. And I mean, we we chose very like diluted drinks. Like there was a like it was mainly seltzer. Um, now what was? I mean, I'm no sorry. What, remind remind me what was the double feature day that made you both go? Okay, we can't drink like that on a double <laughs> we feature. We can't do it anymore. Um, I know the second one was high school. The second movie was High School Musical two. Uh, dang it! Hold on one second. Oh, I think it was Princess Protection Program, and then High School Musical two. Dan says hi, Marcy. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see her little cute wave? It was her birthday on Friday. I saw pictures. Happy birthday, Marcy! I took her to Here Lies Love. And we danced. Well, I feel like that's as good a time as any to jump into what did you think of Here Lies Love? I really, really liked it. I had I had a few things that I was like, eh. But I would say, honestly, from the point that Ninoy uh, left for the U.S. onwards to the end, it was just perfection. No notes. Like, I was just like watching how they, they moved the audience around. It was just so... It was... It was this beautifully, like, 
choreographed dance. And it was, oh, it was so good. And there was a lot of heart in that part. And the, I think honestly though, my favorite piece was the funeral. Mm. Like that scene, like the woman who played his mother, like she was just so good. And I mean, we, we got the original Imelda too, Ooh, nice. which was awesome. Yeah, so we got her as well. So I was pretty excited about that. Um, but yeah, so I mean, it was so well done. I love. There are certain scenes that I just like absolutely love. There are certain times where I was like, mm, the DJ you know. element. Did the DJ element wear on you? Yeah, I, I did like when he because ca- the guy who was our DJ was the one that played the guitar at the very end. Yes, that that moment is yeah, great. and I loved that. And I, I think the transition of him being the DJ and going in was great, and I loved that. We had this one guy in the ensemble, and he just, he just tickled me. And he was this, he was a little bit shorter, and he was bald, and he was also, he, he was also in the beauty queen scene, and he was dressed in drag, which I'm sure they did someone in that in drag for you. Yep. But he just, I, there's something, I am so inspired by the people in the ensemble that can do that, and that can just sort of like steal those little moments not even intentionally and i loved how they did the tv black and white tv recordings like that was so cool the production value for it is just stunning like the reason that it was so interesting little tidbit it was at the public at the same time as hamilton and everybody's talking about Hamilton, but not as many people are talking about Here Lies Love. And it never made the transition to Broadway because of the set. There wasn't yeah, a house. Yeah, I was going to say, it's, it's impossible yeah. to do that. You have to do it at, like, bitchin' regional houses, but there is not a Broadway theater that could do it. So f- for our listeners, the set is, I guess what I would call it, like, the courtyard of a... Spanish villa almost like it's walls and people are standing under little not turrets uh, arches there's arches all the way along and people are standing on like a balcony essentially so you've got the balcony and it goes around three or possibly even four sides of the stage and then down below you have people on the floor and so you have floor seats and you've got balcony seats and there are steps and rising platforms and platforms that come in from the side. So the audience that's on the floor is constantly moving and being herded. Mm-hmm. And so when I saw it with Cameron denies this, but he said to me when they were both playing there and Cameron was working at the public that Hamilton is overrated and Here Lies Love is a superior show. He denies this now. But... He convinced Courtney and I, because I was like, I don't really, like, Fat, fat Boy Slim, I mean, sure, but, uh, eh. He convinced us to go. He got us tickets. And it was... That's a good way to convince you to do something. I bought this for you. <laughs> here's, here's this thing I got you. Great, I'll do you that. You literally just have to get on a subway. <laughs> awesome. Um, and I have never had a more engaging theater experience. I was on the floor. Mm-hmm. All four of us were on the floor. So oh, we got to awesome. dance and move around with everything. And it was... You line danced a little it bit? It wasn't participation theater. I dare your line dancing is stunning. I feel so bad for our listeners who will never get to see that. <laughs> yes! Um, but when I found out I was going to Seattle, I of course texted you and was like, you have to see this show. It is so... 
you're not going to see another show it was like fun. it. It's so fun and interesting. And like, I mean, I, I did not know the story that well. I mean, I knew the joke in uh, 30 Rock when in the pilot, Liz Lemon is in that nice pantsuit and Jack goes, that's how you should dress for work, by the way. She goes, yeah, if I was president of the Philippines. And I knew that joke. I knew the cultural reference. I, I was aware of the two of them, but I didn't really appreciate how intricate and complicated the story was. And just, God, it's, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I think there are things that could be changed or worked on. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, there was not very much character development. And no. there was no time. No. There was no time. I mean, for those who haven't seen it or know nothing about it, it, th- it uh, all of the stuff that Dan has said is true. And also, this is a 90-minute musical, no intermission. Yes. So they're just, they're busting it out. Like, I feel bad for for uh, the main actress because she's, She's not going to sit for 90 minutes. No. She's going to work yeah. her ass off. Um, I mean, to be fair, everyone worked their ass off. But, like, she's like she, for us, was, like, moving all around up the floors and different things. I wasn't sure how it was staged for you guys. But she was on the second floor mm-hmm. a lot, going up and down. Yep. I did find it funny that she... So, Amelda Marcos is well-known of having like 600 pairs of shoes or something. The only person whose shoes did not change in that show was the main actress who played Imelda Marco. She had these nude heels. That was it. And I'm sure part of it was for comfort. I felt like it was sort of a political statement almost. Like the fact that they didn't have her in nice shoes. I think it was... Um, I think it was a necessity because she had so many costume changes. I don't think she oh think God, she would yeah. have had time to change shoes. No, they, I'm sure that's part of it for sure. Oh, absolutely. But yeah, it was same as when I saw um, Gershwin's Porgy and Bess, which in and of itself is controversial because they changed things from the original Porgy and Bess to make it a little less Jim Crow era racist. Um, <laughs> Sondheim wrote an op-ed about how you shouldn't change that show and just, you know, Embrace it warts and all or don't do it. I was like, yeah. Anyways, I love seeing musicals where the vast majority or the entire cast is made up of people of color because I just yeah. enjoy the show. I The performer in me just turns off and I don't think, oh, how would I do that? Because I'm never going to play president marcos like i'm never gonna be in yeah, here no. lies love i'm never gonna be in porgy and bats like i love shows like that like miss saigon but no i just it, it makes me feel like a little kid watching something for the first time i love love primarily people of color musicals they're so great I know, and there is that idea of just sort of taking yourself out of it a bit. I've been noticing, um, I've been reading Tennessee Coates' books. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been trying to get through a bunch of them. Um, a bunch. There's like three. But I've been, I've been trying to read a ton because I know pretty soon that's not going to be an option for me because I'm going blind. Fair. Uh, <laughs> you know what I'm thinking right now. Yes, I do. Okay. We're thinking of Clark? Yeah. Uh, 
so I was reading his book, but there's something, I mean, they're beautiful and they're poignant, but it's, it's one of those things that I, I read it, but I'm like, I'm not allowed to have feelings like necessarily about this uh, because I was not born black, a man, anything. Like I, I have had zero experience with this. So I am going to respectfully appreciate the work and not put any input into how I feel about it. Like, I have no, I, I, there's certain times where it's, it's like seeing a show where everyone's different ethnicity. There's no way, like there's no way anything I could do could be there. And there's no way I could ever write anything like that. That's not my experience. I accept that that's his experience and he writes it beautifully. It's like Maya Angelou. Exactly. And a good example would be, a very recent example would be Wonder Woman. You don't have, like, as a guy, that's not my story. Like, Wonder Woman's story is inherently a female tale, but not in... Uh, Wonder Woman's an interesting case. But there are things I can glean from that, and there's truth in all art and prose and understanding. And, like, I can read Maya Angelou's poetry and... I may not know why the caged bird sings because I am not coming to that from the same perspective as she is. But one of the most beautiful things I ever heard was an interview with Maya Angelou where she talked about how the most depressing thing in the world to her is a sad young person. She said that is the greatest crime is a depressed young person because your ancestors, regardless of your color, regardless of your heritage, have fought and died and bled for you to exist and have whatever freedoms you have and have whatever you have in the world. She said, I don't care if you're Irish or black or where you come from. This was the beautiful part that has stuck with me. She said, you have already been paid for. You have already been paid for. And you are worth living through on the promise of those who've come before you who've tried to make it a little bit better for you and her perspective is completely different from mine her experience is totally different from mine and the adversities she's had to go through are far greater than anything i've ever had to go through but her truth still rings true to me truth is truth and while it may not mean the same to me as it does to a little black girl growing up in rural Alabama it still holds resonance and I love that we've reached a point in popular culture where those sorts of stories and voices are really starting to be heard more and we're finding so much universality you know things like Orange is the New Black where yeah they had to cast a white lady as the star but primarily to tell the stories of Latina and black women it's but does anyone care what's going on with Piper? Nobody cares. Yeah. Nobody's cared about Piper. Even Remember when she got that tattoo? Ooh. She got uh, a tattoo with white ink that said, Trust no bitch. <laughs> oh, Piper. Yep, sounds right. No one likes you. Um, that's the point. But uh, thanks for making me feel real like a real dick for being sad sometimes. God damn. I know, right? But... You, okay, I'll send you the podcast. I'm going to plug a, my, one of my favorites, What It Takes, which is from the Academy of Achievement. And they have two Maya Angelou episodes. They do a two-parter for her. And when she's talking about that, she's talking to college students. And she's 
it's so earnest and you know her speaking voice is just so rich and beautiful it's everything sounds like shakespeare coming out of her mouth god i want one of those voices like i want to well i don't want to sound like morgan freeman because that would just confuse everyone (laughs) but i want something like that where my voice just is people hear it and they're like oh that's a dare rice it's a dare rice not, but not like the way, not like the way people see, hear Fran Drescher, and they're like, "Oh, that's Fran Drescher." No. I want it like they they hear someone better. I've accepted that um, John Mulaney you is sound the like best. John Mulaney. Yeah, that's the best I can hope for, because my my intonation just goes all over the place. Have you watched the Netflix? I mean, you saw the play, but did you watch the? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, I did. Yes, Skylar and I watched that together, and we just kept talking about you sounding like John Mulaney. And then I I looked at Nick Kroll, and I went, I have those shoes! Well, I'm not surprised. (laughs) Well, like, my, I mean, in my heart of hearts, I am like a 72-year-old man. Mm -hmm. If I had my druthers, I'd live on the Upper West Side, the coffee breath of neighborhoods. I loved that. And that was very good. That was a very good impression. Remember, you have Alzheimer's. What the fuck does that mean? I really want, when I move, to get a welcome mat that says, oh, hello. Oh, hello. Oh, man. Speaking of moving, you're going to go check out your uh, future home soon, aren't you? My potential future home. I think there's a a job, uh, like a job that needs to be acquired. She just she got them all she got them all upset. Now the whole crew's coming upstairs. They're like, Maisie, you called? We heard you. We're coming from Light the signal! Tell Gondor I feel like often my dog my dog is like a, a watchman. Go set a watchman? For the for the writers of Gondor. Gotcha. And and Floyd is definitely the old king who is, has his mind tainted by worm Has his mind tainted. Yep. Keep your fork tongue behind your teeth. So I left the house today, ill-prepared to podcast. I left with my Bluetooth headphones, my douche phones, if you will, that I have paired to my iPhone. They require an app. I cannot pair them to my laptop. I'm sure there's a way. I'm just stupid. So I went down to the CVS couple minutes before we were going to do this and I bought myself can you tell them can, sorry pause can you tell me the story but as John Mulaney and oh hello because when you said the CVS that just so I go down to the CVS and I'm Thank looking you. for joint ointment preferably the kind that's been discontinued because it has too much menthol and makes you smell like a Jewish gym right after Hanukkah so I find these headphones long and corded like a garrote one would use to kill someone and lo upon opening i realize they come with a charger they are wireless headphones as well i bought a second pair of bluetooth headphones that are as useless as my penis without (laughs) 2700 milligrams of viagra so, you'll notice the stylish Bose headphones that I'm sporting. These were pilfered from someone's desk. 
This is a paying customer of the company that I work for who left headphones on their desk, and I am now using them with my lice-infected head. It's going to be a fun day at the office tomorrow. Good thing I'm taking the day off. See, I think it was better with the voice. I think I think it made, I think it added something. It also to put it. a sense of urgency on it. I needed to show a proficiency of language. Um, I think that's. I'm just training you as an actor right now. Oh my god! Thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. Speaking of, I would really like to hear about the show you're about to be in. So technically, it's a reading. Because I don't really have any blocking. I just come on and off stage. Anyways, uh, plug for a friend of this and every Secret Weapon show, Cameron Michael Farring. A friend of the world. Yes. Cameron Farring is the world's friend. That he is. Cameron uh, composed the theme song for Disney Channel, Dizzy Channel Original Friendship. I am... Don't get us sued, dude. Don't get us sued. I am almost through this bottle of wine, so forgive me. Uh, This is my drunk podcast now. Um, copyright me. If Hannah Harto starts doing one, then she owes me money. Copyright me. Um, Cameron has written this musical over the course of many years because Cameron has a long and storied past with retail. Cameron worked at Sears for a couple of years, and then he worked at Best Buy for six years, both in Montana and in New York City at the Union Square Best Buy, which is 24 hours. So Cameron has some war stories. So this show is called The Retail Song Cycle, and this is its world premiere reading of Act One. And it is super fun. The uh, live stream is going to be on Facebook on Friday, the day this podcast comes out, at um, right about 8 o'clock Eastern Standard Time in the evening. I will post it to the Secret Weapon Productions Facebook page, or link it, share it, I guess, I don't know. I don't really know how anything works, but it's a fantastic show. Uh, there's The music is great. It's a really smart critique on consumerism, corporate culture, the bullshit we all deal with in jobs that we hate. And I get to play uh, the supervisor who has swallowed the corporate bullshit, hook, line, and sinker. And I get to sing a big, very fun number about the new sales model, which is devotion, intelligence, competence, and knowledge. So then I sing a song about that acronym. Is it called Dick? It, it is It is called the sales model song. But it is so tailor-made for me. You would think that I've been friends with the writer for nine years. One would think. Right? Well, I'll try. I'll try and watch it. I hope there is a way that can you can watch them after mm-hmm. they happen, right? Yeah. Okay. Because I will be out of town. And so... I, but I want to. I, I really want to. I'm very excited to see what happens, and I've been I've been stalking the progress of all these things. It's uh, a wonderful show that features Cameron, myself, uh, my wonderful and incredibly talented wife Courtney, sings a heartbreaking song about the toll of working a job that just sucks out your soul. It's. Uh, so she speaks from, from experience. Yes, she does. Yes, she does. 
it's a great show, and it's it's been rewarding to be performing again because it's been a year since I've been in something. Um, and this is becoming a terrible pattern, but I'm hoping to break it soon. Um, we've got plans for this uh, early August to shoot something, uh, Courtney and myself, which is different than being on stage, but like just in rehearsals for this, I have been painfully reminded of how much I write because I love to tell stories and I love to tell stories because of my experiences on stage doing that mm -hmm. with my body. And I think I had forgotten a lot of that. It had, mm -hmm. it goes dormant, you know, and you just are like, oh, this is a part of my identity in an abstract way. Just like, I'm always a writer. I'm always a bartender. I'm always a excellent and deadly shot with a handgun. But until you start singing something in a show or writing something that's just really captivating you or shooting the genitalia out of a target from, you know, 20 paces, you just forget these facts about yourself. They're, they're there, but they're just, they're waiting. They're just files that aren't being accessed. And then you start doing stuff again and you remember, oh yeah, that's, that's part of who I am. Well, I'm glad to hear that. I'm very supportive of you, of you shooting anything, so long as it is not heroin. Wow, I really thought you were going to say people, but I can stay away from heroin and just, you know, cap a couple suckers. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, my expect my expectations for you are low. Oh, thank you. So, so How long that's... have we known each other, Dare? Do you remember when we first met? Uh, I do remember when we first met. I've written the scene over and over again. Um, we met my... I'm trying to think it was my sophomore or junior it was 2000 um 2010 it was my senior year it wasn't my sophomore or my junior year it was my senior year um of college so we have known each other for seven years a little over seven years now yeah shit and i've hated every minute of it oh i don't blame you yeah you're kind of awful but we had sort of the first two years of stasis of like we knew mm -hmm. each other but we weren't, like, mm -hmm. super close until, like, fall of 11, spring of 12. That's true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because, like, well, we just kept running into each other. And, uh, that was so annoying. Like, we should hang out sometime. And then we'd see each other, like, a week later. We should hang out sometime. And then there was a point that I finally, like, realized you lived two blocks from me. And then I was like, let's hang out sometime. I'll just walk there. But yeah, I actually saw a picture recently uh, because it was like the anniversary of me first m meeting Courtney. And we both look so different. Oh yeah, I don't doubt it. Like, it's so crazy because at first I was like, who is that? That's Courtney. I remember getting a text with a picture of the two of you because you met. This is, we're really not talking about writing today, are we? Mm-mm. <laughs> What's new with this writing podcast? Right? We're writers, so why would we ever write? Um, Let's talk about superhero movies. Right? Although we're... Um, can I say it's it's safe to say that we should do an episode about the new Spider-Man? Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. I also... I have... My recommendations for you later are not movies I've seen either, but they're two movies I want you to see 
so that then we can talk about them. Because I haven't seen them either, and I want us to go see them and chat. I like that. That's a good. That's a good. Trip. Yeah. Right. But yeah, that's so. Funny enough, Sorry. you met Courtney without me around. I like. I don't know if, how much I As it orchestrated be. it, but was like, "Hey, these, this is one of my best friends. Hey, you're my girl. You two should hang out sometime." And I met Court. Well, you actually had a present for me. That's true, that and I left it. I left it me. with Courtney because you left town before I left town permanently. You were gone when I left Missoula forever. Yes. And you. I was in uh, Texas. Have we ever told the story of the card you left me? I don't think so. So, a dare was. I I think it would be safe to say thinking about things, going through stuff, and our friendship, I think, meant a lot to you, meant a lot to me. You know, we were in places of transition, which is kind of constant in life, but still, it was a very big transition for both of us. You about to get married. No, I I was about to end my marriage. You were about to end your marriage. I apologize. (laughs) It's funny when we mix those two up. Most of the way through a bottle of wine. Um, I was too when I made that decision. Um, so you were moving in that direction I had started a new relationship while moving away from the town I'd lived in for four years and (laughs) we hung out a lot and you know Mm -hmm. Kevin was there sometimes and sometimes not but it was very for those who are curious Kevin is my ex-husband and very close my my very close friend now Kevin's a great guy Um, Kevin's a guy um, <laughs> you can edit out whatever you want. Just shut me up. But I was in a really terrible place uh, when I was leaving Missoula. Even my relationship with Courtney was like the one saving grace, bright light that I was in a very bad place. And your friendship was one of the few lifelines I still had. And so us saying goodbye, because you were going to be in Texas when I left town, was like the first, that was the beginning of my divorcing myself from the town of Missoula, Montana. That was the first, you're done here, here's a pillar of your life, a big deal that you have to say goodbye to. And so I walked over to your house, and you gave me a card, and when I opened it, it said, and I think I'm going to miss Scarecrow, and I think I'm going to miss you most of all, Dorothy. And I remember oh. taking that card and hugging you and just weeping like a little <laughs> bitch. Oh, that's a thing that happens. I think, I think I knew that our lives weren't going to ever be the same at that point either so yeah and it's hard because you and i see each other you know once a year for a little bit of time and we try to get in all this personal time and you know we fight we get mad at each other you know we have misunderstandings we're people but you and i have a level of understanding i don't have in most of my friendships in that I know you know where I'm coming from, or I know you you grant me a certain level of understanding based on who I am, and I know you know that I'm I'm there for you. Like when shit hits the fan, I've got your back. Like we 
there's a give and take between us that I don't take for granted and I think is very special in friendships, period. But that was the capstone of like, I left Missoula and a lot of people were like, see you later, have a good time, nice to know you. And very few people, like, there were people that cried in front of me and hugged me and I invited to my wedding and they said yes and then didn't show up and never said anything to me ever again. That person exists, and his name is Kellen Mickelson, and he can suck a dick. Um, I think I now know the title of this episode. You'll need to send me the spelling. His name is Kellen Mickelson. <laughs> that makes me think of the secret weapon group chat. <laughs> Ugh, no, that, okay, all group chats drive me nuts, because I am only involved in two. One is Secret Weapon, and one is my media family, and they are both annoying as fuck. So what happened when you got a group of people that you're, like, sort of fans of into one conversation? I'd say family with, really, like. Yeah, I mean, we're kind of just, we're all sort of family. It's kind of weird. Like, our dynamic is very much that of a family on this production company. Yeah. Clark is the alcoholic mom. (laughs) Very distant. Very absent-minded. So, you're about to leave for Texas. I am. I leave on Thursday. For a fair number of days. A fair number of days. A fair number of days. And I always get... Whenever I do these uh, red eyes, I always get a little stressed out because I try and get everything done, and I forget how much I do. (laughs) And then I try and, like, edit two podcasts (laughs) in, like, a week, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I do a lot. Tell me about it. We're we're recording at, you know, 1030 my time from my place of work. It's going to take me an hour to get home because the next two days I'm going to work some nice 14-hour days. I was like, I'm just, I'm just not gonna have time. Yep. And I like, I, tomorrow, yeah, tomorrow I go and see Eddie Izzard in the Eve, which I'm very excited about because I, I'm a huge fan of Eddie Izzard. I hope he does a don't... bit for you in French. Well, he's doing a whole thing for his book, and I did see him in concert, like doing a sh- like a comedy show, uh, like th- two or three years ago, which was awesome. And then now it's a much more like intimate thing. It's a book reading. But I'm very excited about it because he is one of the first, like, yeah, he did. It just came out. Is it a memoir? I think so, yeah. Like, comedic stories of uh, growing up and becoming a, or, like, realizing you're a transvestite. I wonder how he got his head around that. Like, how did he figure out? Well, I I guess Salman Rushdie said it best when he said, each book has to teach you how to write it. I was I was really thinking like that. One great job, uh, but when You've you start bitching s- about my segues, so I figured I'd I know, make it's it more better. just like I tease. Um, but yes, you're so pretty. Uh, but when you start saying Salman Rushdie, I'm like, oh, where are we going with this? <laughs> um, and I then knew. But yeah, so I, but I always get stressed out when I go on trips since I have this show tomorrow night and then Wednesday night I have to do some stuff for a thing that's a secret until next week. Not for you, but on the off chance that the person that the secret's for listens to this podcast, I don't really want to. 
Would you say it's a secret weapon? No. I would oh. I would not. Oh, okay. Yeah. Will you just spell some... their name in sign language for me? Yeah, no, I, I, no. You all should have seen Adair try to attempt spelling <laughs> in sign language. And all she did was wave her pointer finger and decide, no, no, I'm just going to be writing it. That's not really sign language. <laughs> it's been such a long day. You know, if I could pick my sister's... Oh, man. What if one of my sisters listens to the show? One I of them mean, does, Don't I tell Ashley or Allison about this. If I could pick my sister's... Probably you and Ann Harrington. Done. That's that's really sweet of you. And and Whitney. I would still pick Whitney. I mean I'd pick Whitney too, man. And I'd, and Ashley I'd, and Allison. I would have five sisters. I would I would choose to have I would willingly have five. Nope. Nope. Can't lie that much. Uh, yes, no, I feel like uh, if I could have a third brother, I would definitely choose. I really you. thought you were gonna say a second a third sister. <laughs> I could have a third sister would be me, you. Um, Yay! <laughs> oh, God. I feel, I just realized, like, I feel like I haven't really talked, like, I talked to Maya and we do our podcast, but I feel like I haven't really, like, talked to people in a while, like, that I like, <laughs> that aren't in my family. I need to specify so people stop getting offended. People will never stop getting offended. And if you do stop getting offended, listen to 20 Minutes of Banter, also a secret weapon production. I guarantee you, you will be offended in less than 20 minutes. Man, sometimes I listen to your podcast when I'm driving with small children in my car, and then I realize I got the volume down. My favorite, I was listening to a podcast uh, where my name was mentioned, and I didn't think the child was listening. I didn't think the child was listening. And then all of a sudden he goes, they just said your name. That's so silly. I'm like, yep. You're like, well, can't ever listen to this again. <laughs> now that I know he listens. But yeah. So I've been driving around listening to your podcast in my car. What have you been up to lately? What are your plans for the summer? That's all I have planned for the summer. I am. Going to shoot a pilot with Dude, my wife. Dude, stop trying to shoot people. Listen, that motherfucker should have avoided the goose. I'm sick of us making him into a goddamn hero. You're gonna kill Sully? I will kill Sully. And not Sully from Monsters Inc. because I fucking love John Goodman, as all of my podcasts will attest. That's um, true. No, Courtney and I are going to shoot a, a pilot that is Catastrophe meets Green Acres. It's going to be a blast. Um, I'll tell you more about that as we get closer to it. And we're going to go to the beach a couple times. And we're going to spend a fair amount of time in Montana. We may be taking an extended sabbatical, which I am so looking forward to because our cost of living is going to drop by, I shit you not, almost... 65, 70%. So we can just chill out, and I'm going to write and work out, I guess. I don't really know what that means. <laughs> You're like, I don't know what that entails. Do. I heard something about Pilates. Listen, I eat vegan. I quit smoking. As soon as I can just kick the booze. As long as you're friends with me, that's not going to happen. And also the look you just gave that wine glass. Like... Don't worry, baby. I'll never leave you. I love you. I love you. Now, my uh, my blood pressure is too high for my age. 
like straight up. Welcome and to senior year of Adair's life. No, it's well, it's the stress of this fucking job. I literally sent my boss an email today, being like, "So I am now clear to lift fifteen pounds because my back has recovered enough from my work injury." And also, I am one greasy sandwich away from having hypertension level one. So let's... Dan's going to be gone the next two days. I've already handled everything. Leave me alone. But yeah, I am dangerously close to being hypertense. And I'm 26. So... That That's kind of why I want to move. Like, I just was realizing, I'm like, I'm so tired of being so stressed about everything. I think that's what happens when you live in one of the most expensive cities in the United States. Tell me about it, son. I mean, we're up there with San Francisco. I like the trifecta of rent. That was actually really, really good. And I would applaud you if that wouldn't really mess up the sound. Go ahead, do it. I'll beat poet you. Listen, Kerouac. I don't need none of that shit. I feel like I'd be like Ginsburg. You're not maybe Bur- Maybe Burroughs. Burroughs. Bur- Burroughs I'd, be Burroughs. I'd give you. Burroughs I'd give you. I'd be big Burroughs, I think. I, don't, I just don't... I like sleeping too much uh, and being hydrated too much to be Kerouac. Yeah. If they're... I wish that they would do a... Uh, a test, a little syringe of dead authors and see who was the highest percentage of gin, like as a person who was mostly gin at the time of mm-hmm. their death. That's probably my spirit animal as far as writers go. Okay. I'm trying to think who it would be. I was trying to think of something quippy and I'm like, I'm not really sure. I think I could get whiskey, but I don't think I could figure out gin. I think I, if I'm going to go gin, I'd probably go Fitzgerald, right? Oh no, whiskey's definitely Hemingway. Oh yeah, for sure. Hemingway shot fucking vermouth. Hemingway was an animal. He was a sweater-wearing, cat-loving, alcoholic fuckhead. Great guy. Great guy. Cool. Cool. Uh, so you and Courtney are going to shoot a pilot. You're yeah, After you get tried for the murder of Captain Sully, you're going to go to Montana... And For an indefinite amount of time. We may yeah. be a month. You may be in Deer Lodge. No, never in Deer Lodge. It was a prison joke. No, no, I get that. But 90% of our listeners did not. Who are we kidding? 70. We have a lot of Montana. 60. In Montana. 40% of our <laughs> listeners didn't get that joke. Okay, so Skylar. In Montana, there's a town called Deer Lodge. And... It's really only known for the prison, and I just made a murder joke. So obviously, Dan, if he was going to Montana, would go to Deer Lodge. There you go. I've explained it to the one person that probably didn't know what I was talking about. So also, Skylar, Adair has two podcasts, not just one. So if you're going to redesign logos, don't be such a lazy fuck and just do 50% of the job. That's all I'm going to say. Once we get to a year, I was going to ask... Well, I'm asking now because I'm impatient. Also, okay, you want it now? Do you want me to take all of your back episodes on Dizzy and put the new logo in? Sure, if you want to. Yeah. If you I, have I'll, time. I'll, I just don't want to. I'll gladly do it. It'll be like on Saturday. Just text me on Saturday and go, hey, remember that thing you said you would do? 
And I'll go, oh yeah, because it won't take me long. I just need two things. The highest resolution version of that file that exists and mm -hmm. a very complimentary text from Skylar. Just about anything. Anything about me. Just something nice. I guess it was the Noid who should have avoided me. Oh my god, so I recently finally figured out that makes me think of the Soviet Russia jokes. Mm -hmm. Like, in Soviet Russia, wrote for XU. I was informed very recently by someone who's, I've already mentioned a few times, so I don't really feel like they get another shout out. So they, they were talking, because they speak Russian, about how it, the phrasing in Russian, it's always like the adjective and then like the subject and like and i was like oh is that where the so soviet russia jokes come from they're like yup and i'm like it took me 28 years and now i understand why that's a thing 28 years yeah because i didn't give a shit about russia until you know this year i guess well that's fair i mean you don't have any heritage in the game right you're, you're no. not Russian at all? Uh, I mean, I'm always rushing around, but otherwise, no. Boo! Boo! Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I regretted that the moment I said it. I really but... don't think you did. I think that you smile and that you just accept that my condemnation is... I don't know. It doesn't really do anything to you anymore. You just are who you are. Yeah, no, I mean, if you haven't changed me yet, if you haven't destroyed my will to to live yet, then it's not going to happen, I don't think. That's fair. You know who had a great uh, little tidbit about growing up in the Soviet Union? Um, was, I'm going to butcher the shit out of his name. This is going to be like a drunk guy with a cleaver and a rack of lamb. Which he actually has a cleaver and a rack of lamb right now that you can't, can't see. Um... Janusz Kaminski. Uh, I have that so dude. Long-time cinematographer of Steven Spielberg, and he's done some other stuff. But he did Saving Private Ryan, which Shakespeare and Love can suck a dick. Saving Private Ryan was robbed. Anyways, he grew up in Poland at the end of the Soviet Union. And again podcast i love what it takes great episode with him and he talks about how much he loved film because it was this glimpse into an outside world that was so crazy and different and free and whatever and they loved coca-cola and levi's and mcdonald's and i'm like oh god you took the worst parts of america and we're like that's amazing it's like if somebody met me and were like hey, your sardonic wit and your deeply, deeply rooted depression are just awesome. They're the like, tits. Thanks. Uh, anyways, the Soviet Union, not a great thing, but we got some great fucking filmmakers out of it. We did, indeed. That's true. Other affirming responses as well. You know what would really affirm me right now? What would that be? If you read your poem. Oh, my poem? Mm -hmm. Which I have to say, I really loved how I read the text where you told me what poem to read. Yep. Because I was like, don't worry, bro. I will protect my heart. 
Um, all right. <clears throat> you should tell them what the poem is called so your joke makes sense. It's called Protect Your Heart. And it's based off of a uh, spray paint in Dumbo that says protect your heart, but the art is highlighted. So, yup, that's literally what this poem is about. Just picture yourself in Brooklyn, people, person who's listening. In the night, I give up on the promise of companions, walk along the river that wishes to be a lake or the sea, for a river sounds less foreboding. Across the bridge, famous in its own right, I see more legend than city, duplicated in the waves and eyes of the onlookers. Alone in a metropolis that pulses with people trying to stand still, though I am expected further down the track. I watch the iron and, and glass, observe what w was created by sw the sweat of people long gone. Something loved that can never love you back. The wear guild of a forgotten crime. These buildings will not keep me company. It only serves as a reminder of the company I once kept. That's where it is. That final fucking line. All right. Good to know. Also, I'm a douchebag for even using the word wear guild in... I remember I definitely Googled it. Because I was like, he uses these words in these lines, and I don't know what they mean, but okay. Nope. I, for my terrible lack of syntax and grammar in most things I write, I have a decent grasp of arcane language. don't know why it resonates with me more, but where guild. It means man. Yeah. So it, it does. The price paid for murdering or killing someone outside of a time of war. Although, honestly, probably within a, a time of war as well for the uh, Nordic tradition. You kill somebody's brother, you gotta pay him the Weir Guild. The cost of what a man is worth. Which is a really interesting concept in a society where slavery was not as well spread as others. That human life had a price in like 980. Some fascinating shit right there. You know, Dan, I don't have a Norwegian grandfather, but I like to think that if I did, he'd sound a lot like you. He would. But he'd also probably... Well, everything I thought of sounded super racist, so I'm just not going to say that. <laughs> Insert really... racist comment of your choice! <laughs> racist comment of my choice! No, I really enjoy this poem because of the picture it paints about just an experience of a night. It... It feels visceral without being super experiential. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm there without being possessed or just shackled to the poem. The alone in a metropolis that pulses with people, that's something that I can relate to, being on a street Surrounded by people and feeling utterly alone, I get that. That makes absolute and perfect sense. I, yeah, no, I remember that night specifically. We actually talked about that specific night when I was in New York last because I was writing about a time I was at a bar in Dumbo, which is, if you know anything about me, not really where I would want to be. Um, and I was waiting for someone and they just never showed up uh, because... They were very busy and important people. 
And it was fine. Like, I don't really care. But it was one of those things that I walked around for a while because I also hate being that jerk that just, like, writes people off and just goes and do some, does my own thing. And being in New York, I was like, well, if I go down back down to, like, Crown Heights, I'm, I'm not... Oh, that was sad. His wine's empty. Uh, I'm not going to come back over here. So I was just sort of pacing that beautiful stretch of park that we walked down when we were together. And and uh, <laughs> I, I definitely was just walking down that way and just looking at the city and thinking about the city and... <laughs> And the river and just like how it kind of feels like it wants to be the sea but it's not and i don't know i was just having a lot of feelings about it and then knowing that i was needed down down the track to go to i believe it was cameron's birthday party that it was yeah so i mean part of me kind of hoped that you'd choose the other poem just because it's one of my favorite titles of a poem i've ever written i couldn't um, give it to you that easily could i I know, right? Well, and so the title of the other poem that I gave Dan to choose which one I was going to read is called Raccoons Before I Met You. Because I had a reoccurring dream about a domesticated raccoon. Such is the truth. Such is my life. And, you know, if you want to follow some domesticated raccoons on Instagram, I'm sure they're there. But yeah. Uh, but all of this talking about writing and poems and all of that, uh, it does make me, I, I'm excited in that I think I ha finally have the idea of a pilot for a show that I want to do. Yeah, I finally... I expect an email giving yeah. me details. Oh, yes, of course. But my, or maybe just off air, um, it's, I need to secure the writing partner I want to have for it, but I, I came up well, I didn't really come up with an idea. It is something I have experienced that I thought this would actually be a very interesting way to approach a lot of subjects and still have, like, a plot. And it's something I have now experienced pretty fully. And I think it would be an interesting show. And so I'm excited. I think it's, you know, it's 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 a, a ways off, but I really would like to do it. And I was kind of... I mean, part of me was kind of inspired by one of the movies I want to recommend you go see that I will also be going to see, which is called The Big Sick. I am so excited to see that film. And me too. thank you for recommending it to me. My other is uh, A Ghost Story. So you're giving me two recommendations? So you're just making up rules now? What are no, you? I'm just saying... I, I mean, I'm making up rules. I am very much a part of our government right now and Executive all governments prior. Executive order. Um... But I, I thought it would be fun for us to go and see these two movies that are re relatively indie films and discuss them both because I, I think they would both be very interesting. They're very different takes on a love story. And a, so we've got a, The Big Sick and... A Ghost Story. A Ghost Story. Okay. Um, so it's Kumail, I'm going to pronounce his name wrong, from, from Silicon, Silicon Valley. Valley. Yes, and... Uh, uh, Zoe Calzon, not Zoe Calzone, um, who... I know Zoe Calzone, and that bitch should move back to Chicago with her fucking Calzones. It's a pizza that's more difficult to eat! Um, so, they're the two main characters, but it's actually written by Kumail and his wife about their experience of falling in love. 
You should listen to the Nerdist episode they were just on. I will do that. That's a great recommendation. Camille and his wife. That was going to be my recommendation to you. Th- um, that one episode? That specific episode, because it's fan-fucking-tastic, especially as a creative person who is romantically entwined with another creative person. It's so great to listen to. They're really awesome. And my yeah. second recommendation, because apparently we're going to... Oh, you're just going to recommend two things. No, no. Miss the Big Sick <clears throat> and the Ghost Story now has an issue with me giving two recommendations. I see how it is. It's fine. My recommendation to you is The Handmaid's Tale, which that I know was you've already watched. That was, okay. re- that was really mean, man. Yep. You know I don't like that show. But you got to finish it, because Tony <clears throat> and I are through five episodes, and we are having a great time. Wow, you guys have a really sick way of having a great time. No, no, I really enjoy seeing like all of Courtney's misogynist fantasies come to life. Because, you know, my wife is a misogynist. And I really like watching Elizabeth Moss continue to not get recognition for good work. Well, there you go. No, I've, I, I watched the final episode the other night. And then I wanted to watch a cool movie. Well, it wasn't a cool movie. It was, it's a really trash movie, but I love it. And Anne was like, no, we're not going to watch that because I don't want to watch it. I'm like, I watched The Fucking Handmaid's Tale with you and I did not complain once. But I didn't watch it. Instead, I watched Rogue, uh, Rogue Nation. I really thought you were going to say or Rogue Ghost. 2. Or, Rose, or, or did I say Ghost me. Protocol? I watched Ghost Protocol. Sorry. I watched Ghost Protocol. Sorry. <laughs> my bad. Um, actually, my neighbors, so down a block away, you don't know. Um, they are building a roundabout and there's this big pile of dirt and uh, some would call it an empire of dirt. And there was like a trench that was drawn through it because I think they're going to plant something. And Ooh, someone took a ton plants of... plants are stupid. Tell that to everyone in Seattle. Uh, they will shoot you. And like then use you for compost. Any guns. And then use you for compost. But I like the, like, eight headphones you've got on right now. Uh, four. Sorry, four headphones. Um, oh, yeah. Um, yes. Uh, but they are, they took all their Rogue One uh, figurines and they, and they made it, like, a whole battle scene on this. So, yeah, I'll send you pictures of it. It's amazing. Oh, my God, please do. Because it's great. I'll send you... I've taken pictures already because I stumbled upon that and I was like, holy shit, my neighbors are awesome. Yeah! But yeah. Yeah! But yeah, so with that, I feel like I don't want to talk to you anymore. Is that cool? I will strive to get along without you. Now, at first, I'm going to be Are you going to take a nap? I will be petrified. And I just want you to know that it's going to be hard for me to think about my life without you by my side. Yeah, but you will survive, right? You will survive? I promise you. Slow Claps and Rewrites is painstakingly produced by Adair Rice and Daniel Crary. It is edited with extreme prejudice by Adair Rice. Slow Claps and Rewrites is a part of the Secret Weapon Productions Library. Copyright M-M-X-V-I-I. 2017. All rights reserved. Until we've been dead for 70 years.